0: Tuesday, April 16th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. And I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mahai City here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you, and happy birthday to one of the crankiest men in all of sports. Yes, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history and a guy who isn't afraid to let's just say bend the rules a little bit now and then new england patriots head coach bill belichick was born in nashville tennessee on april 16th back in 1952 happy birthday to bill belichick he turns 67 today of course bill belichick is now the most decorated coach in the super bowl era and it really shouldn't come as much of a surprise because bill belichick was born in nashville but he was raised in annapolis maryland because his father steve belichick was an assistant football coach at the U.S. Naval Academy. They say that Bill was learning to break down game film as a little kid. He was actually learning to analyze what he was seeing because he hung out with the coaching staff at Navy all the time. Now, where he got that whole trying to skirt the rules thing, I don't really know about that. But Bill Belichick is one of the best ever at diagnosing his team's strengths and weaknesses and then building a game plan to accentuate the strengths and hide the weaknesses. And on the flip side, he is also one of the best ever at analyzing what your team struggles with and forcing you to try to do it. He takes away what it is that you like to do. You have to think that he learned a lot of those skills just as a kid watching Navy games. So happy birthday to Bill Belichick, you crotchety old grouch. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, I don't know, maybe tell us your favorite grouchy old man in sports. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email. DailyDoseSports at gmail.com or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at DailyDoseSports. Doesn't have to be about grouchy old people. Maybe you just got a question. Maybe you have a comment. Maybe you have a suggestion. Feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Also, be sure you stop by tpublic.com. Search Daily Dose. Scroll down until you see our logo and click on that. And there, you are going to find some of the new Daily Dose gear that we have. We do now have our Daily Dose iTeam gear over there so that you can look Just like our investigative team out in the field, tracking down inside information every day, but we have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have coffee mugs, laptop cases, stickers. You know, the cool thing about ordering t-shirts and hoodies and that kind of thing, you can order them in exactly the color you want. Lots of things over at tpublic.com for the Daily Dose listener in your life, so make sure that you stop by there. Hey, today on the show, we do have a few breaking news stories that we need to get to, but then we are going to be joined by a friend of the show to talk a number of things in the sports world, so we've actually got a lot to get to today, and what is this? Is that right? Okay, well, apparently we have a little bit of breaking news. Yeah, go ahead and play the music, that's fine. Today... April 16th, 2019 marks our 500th daily dose episode. Who knew? I honestly didn't know that, but apparently we have now done our 500th daily dose podcast. Hey, I've told you this before. When we started this show, I didn't have any plans on it. I didn't have this grand scheme of things. We just started doing the show and we just thought we'd see where it went. I didn't really plan on doing 500 shows. I don't have any idea how many more shows we're going to do. All as I know is that we have done 500 so far. And for that, I have to thank each one of you for everyone that listens, for everyone that reaches out, for everyone that has appeared on the show in one way or another, because somehow, some way we have now done 500 daily dose episodes. And I have to say thank you to all of you. Okay. I'm not going to get too sentimental. We don't do hugs here. That's just not how we operate Let's jump into some breaking news. Looking in college basketball, LSU has now reinstated Will Wade as men's basketball coach. How bizarre is that? Now that the tournament's over, they're going to put him back in charge. Tigers athletic director Joe Oliva announced this late Sunday night, Wade was suspended more than a month ago for not meeting with the school and answering questions regarding his relationship with that runner agent, Christian Dawkins from Adidas. The two sides, though, did finally meet Friday along with NCAA compliance officials, and Oliva said he was satisfied with Wade's responses. Here's what he had to say. Coach Wade met Friday with university and NCAA officials. During those meetings, he answered all questions and denied any wrongdoing in connection with recently reported allegations of irregularities in college basketball recruiting. The university regrets that Coach Wade did not choose to fulfill his obligations to LSU when he was first asked to do so. Now, you might remember, last month, it was reported that in one of the phone calls intercepted by FBI wiretaps, Wade was mad at that Adidas agent for his inability to close a deal on a recruit because they were saying that Wade was frustrated with the Adidas agent not getting Javante Smart who was then a top 50 recruit from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, signed with the Tigers when he thought he should be signed by. After transcripts of those calls were published, LSU suspended Wade back on March 8th and named assistant Tony Benford the interim head coach. Now, the Tigers went ahead and clinched the SEC regular season title the next day, and Benford actually took LSU, a three seed, to the Sweet 16 before they lost to Michigan State. But you know, when this whole college basketball scandal broke, Back in the beginning, we all thought the same thing. Hey, this could mean an end of college basketball as we know it. We are going to see some big-name head coaches. Their heads are going to roll for this. But we really haven't seen anything so far. A couple of assistants here or there. Nothing really big. A couple of Adidas reps. But no one we really care about, right? Yes, Rick Bettino went down for whatever he was doing. But let's be real clear. He had a lot of other things going on than just this situation. So he had to answer for that stuff as well. But then I want you to think about this. Down at the University of Arizona, we heard Sean Miller was in serious trouble. He denies everything. He gets a lawyer. He stops talking completely. And now what? It's all gone away. When was the last time we heard anything about Sean Miller? Think about Auburn coach Bruce Pearl. He denies everything. He gets a lawyer. He stops talking about it. It all goes away. He loses assistant Chuck Person. Eh. Who cares? Now we have LSU head coach Will Wade, and what he did is he kind of screwed things up at first. He kind of got twisted. He denied some stuff, but then he just refused to talk to anyone. See, so he kind of got things out of order. Then he ended up getting a lawyer, denied some more, and then stopped talking, and look what's happening now. It's going away too. Do you notice a trend here? Hey, we all know what was going on. These shoe companies were We're getting recruits for these coaches, but that does leave a little leeway for these coaches to say, well, that was just the shoe guys. I didn't have anything to do with it. What do you want me to do? I can't tell Adidas what to do. I can't tell Nike what to do. And I do think that charge is coming soon. We're going to hear more about Nike probably, but there was a little deniability there, I guess. I mean, we all know what was happening, right? The phone records even show it, but there are two problems with this whole situation. One. The NCAA has no teeth whatsoever, but it has gone on to the FBI. The problem is that there's some deniability there, but at the end of the day, here's the biggest thing. No one cares. No one cares one single bit. If LSU was in bed with Adidas and Adidas was getting them recruits, no one cares. You know what we care about? We want to watch LSU in the NCAA tournament. We want to watch Auburn in the NCAA tournament. We want to see Arizona Well, I mean, lose in the NCAA tournament like they always do. But do you see where our focus is? We don't care about this stuff. Just leave our NCAA tournament alone. And here is more proof of that. We don't care about it. Just let these guys coach and let's have a fun March Madness tournament. That's the bottom line. And right now, we're still not seeing any of these cases going anywhere. Hey, speaking of college basketball scandals, more than 50 people were arrested in a sex trafficking sting operation centered around college basketball's Final Four weekend up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Officials with the Minnesota Department of Public Safety announced these charges last week against 47 people for felony solicitation of a minor and 11 for sex trafficking or promotion of prostitution. In addition, 28 people, including one minor, were rescued from trafficking situations, according to the department's news release. While the eyes of the basketball world were focused on the court at U.S. Bank Stadium, some were attempting to hide in the shadows of our great community, trafficking and exploiting women and girls, inflicting unimaginable physical and emotional harm, and profiting from pain. That is what St. Paul Police Chief Todd Axtell had to say. During the five-day operation, which began April 4th, undercover agents and investigators who posed as minors or as sex buyers, chatted with suspects on social media platforms. Investigators then arrested the suspects when they arrived at a prearranged meeting place. How disgusting is all this? This is at the Final Four, and don't get me wrong. This has nothing to do with the Final Four. This is just when you get a bunch of people in one area, you have some sick people. Let's be real clear about that. But they say that authorities routinely conduct sex trafficking sting operations, to coincide with major sporting events. For instance, at this year's Super Bowl in Atlanta, Atlanta police made 169 arrests over an 11-day period. And what's crazier about those 169 arrests is that 152 of them were just New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft just getting back in line as soon as he got released from the police. I'm telling you, man, something is wrong with that dude. We have some disgusting people on this planet, and one of them owns the New England Patriots. Hey, coming back, we are going to be joined by a longtime friend of the show. Russ McKinstry is going to come back and recap all of what we saw in March Madness. Of course, he came by prior to the tournament. He actually told us what he thought was going to happen. He did call Virginia winning it all, by the way. Plus, we just might have to try to talk some NBA playoffs maybe some Major League Baseball, some NFL draft. You know, Coach Mack can talk all things sports related. We are going to get to him when we get back. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, whether it's for yourself, maybe you have birthdays coming up, maybe you have holidays coming up, just remember you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. April's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Showdown. When the time for talking is over and there are scores to be settled, these pop culture heavy hitters are always ready for a showdown. Hey, join us as we celebrate iconic battles with epic gear. April's Loot Crate theme features items from Captain Marvel, Aquaman, and Godzilla King of the Monsters. But remember, if none of those franchises interest you, you can always go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a selection of crates. You can get a monthly subscription of crates that'll arrive in your mailbox every month or you can just go over there and order individual items and remember they have a ton of things in any franchise that you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to The Daily Dose. Joining us right now, a great friend of The Daily Dose, a guy that I've been fortunate enough ...to get to know for a number of years now. You know, we talked to him just before March Madness. And I thought we would have him back to recap the NCAA tournament. Plus, I wanted to preview the NBA playoffs that are now underway. And who knows? We might have to talk some baseball. Maybe a little NFL draft. We just start talking and see where the conversation goes. Russ McKinstry has coached high school basketball in Colorado, Kansas, and Arizona. In his career, he has won over 400 games. He has won two state titles. And he has sent kids off to play at the professional leagues overseas at the college level. Coach Mack, thank you so much for joining us today. We always enjoy your visits.
1: Mr. Daly, how you been doing? I hope you're doing well, and uh, thank you for having me on today.
0: Coach, any truth to the rumor that you will be interviewing for the Los Angeles Lakers job? Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> right off the bat.
1: I, I think uh, LeBron will appoint himself coach, so I, I think I'm out. I, I sent my resume in, haven't heard back, uh, <laughs> but LeBron, or his representatives, I'm sure will... Uh, make sure that what is supposed to happen for lebron will happen for lebron.
0: Well, and here's the thing that I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder I, yes, he's going to install probably himself or, you know, Tyron Lee <laughs> or one of his buddies. But at some level I kind of wonder does he even care who the coach is? He's out there doing acting. He's getting space jam 2 going. He doesn't even care about basketball anymore, does he?
1: You know, I think uh no, you're right. When he when he moved to LA, I think it's about two things. His uh His career after basketball, he's getting established. And two, I think he's trying to set up his son. So I would not be surprised if he hangs in there and his son goes directly from high school or private uh, school straight to the L.A. Lakers. I think that's what he's all about.
0: It sure seems like it's that way. I don't think that was a basketball move in any way, shape or form. I think that was all about the career and all about the future and all about Hollywood. I don't know how many Hollywood scripts are out there. For a guy that's like 6'9", but I guess we're going to find out. I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, Shaq made it work, and uh, yeah. now LeBron's going to follow Shaq and see if he can uh, carve out a little niche for himself. I I see he's got some kind of reality show on every week, so he's off and going. He's he's living the dream.
0: He is living the dream. Coach, I want to talk to you about the NCAA tournament because the NCAA tournament was phenomenal. I know it started off a little slow. We didn't have you know the buzzer beaters. We didn't have any huge upsets. But the last few rounds of the tournament was so good. We saw so many good teams and good programs and quality play that I was kind of shocked to see. Am I imagining things, or did we kind of see a return to fundamentals a little bit in this tournament?
1: No, I think you're right. I mean, it started out the first actually two rounds. I thought were pretty much yoners, and I'm thinking, oh man, this this thing's not looking or trending really well right now. But what a what a grand finish it had. Um, you know, I guess. No pun intended, but a a real shining moment for the NCAA because it was a, it was a heck of a tournament and a heck of a final four. And I I really liked it because I think you saw the return, like you're saying, the return of uh, programs and systems. And there wasn't the feel that this is all about one and done players who are playing for, you know, four or five months in college and then moving on to the NBA. This is about. Uh, senior dominated teams that had put in a lot of work and paid their dues and, and coaches that were, uh, you know, really classy, established, high level coaches that uh, had good teams that uh, had, uh, players that were not only good players, but really good people. So it, I think it was all wrapped up into exactly what college sports should be all about. So uh, I really, really enjoyed it this year.
0: Coach, it sounds kind of crazy, especially in the, kind of anti-bullying movement that we have right now. But I saw a lot of Bobby Knight's imprint on this tournament. Is motion offense back because they ran a lot of the same stuff Indiana was running back in the 80s and 70s? Yeah,
1: no, I think I, and I think you're right. I think uh ball movement, player movement, uh, you know, uh shot selection uh was really a dominant factor in all the games this year and you're right. That's a trademark of Bobby Knight and, you know, the coaching that was going on in the late 70s through the 80s that, you know, where teamwork and and unselfish play with uh, pick and rolls, give and goes, you know, pick and pops were were being used uh, predominantly to get scoring looks. And and what was nice for me, and, and you know me well enough, I just thought the defensive uh, intensity and defensive level and and use of defensive fundamentals was really at a high level. And I have not seen that in quite a while. So it really intrigued me to watch teams like Texas Tech and Michigan State and obviously Virginia and, and uh, some of these teams that really brought the defensive mentality back into the game of basketball. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I think that's why you saw offense being ran, uh, the way it was being run is because they had to finally defenses were, you know, so fundamentally sound and, and doing everything you want from a defensive end that Coaches say, hey, you know, if we're going to beat this type of defense, we're going to have to really have our, our act in, in place for an offensive scheme that's going to work the score. So it was, it was really good basketball.
0: Coach, you mentioned this. You talked about how we saw systems win, not necessarily individuals, not necessarily that AAU yep. style of basketball. You know, I think the media and I think the regular season, all that stuff, it is built for those one-and-done type of kids. But when you're talking about a tournament that is six wins you need – to win this whole thing. And you've got to have inexperienced kids facing sometimes kids that are maybe seniors or juniors or upperclassmen. At least they're not used to adjusting for each opponent. They're not used to adjusting for the schemes they might face. And we saw that again this year, those one and done kids. They're so much fun to watch. And at the end of the day, if you want to win this tournament, you got to have a system.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, I, I was really pleased to see that, uh, that come to fruition because that's the way it should be, and that's the way you hope it will be because uh, that's the way the game was meant to be played. so uh yeah, it was uh it was really about uh, kids playing the system, and what was you know, if you looked at the final two teams, Tech and Virginia, uh, I would not think that um, any of the stars for either of those two teams probably would start at Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky or some of these one and done programs. So again, it just really emphasized that the need for players to help each other, be good teammates, figure out uh, that they better buy into what their coach is trying to coach, because uh, the sum of the parts is, is a lot greater than the individual talent, which is, again, why I think I enjoyed this tournament so much.
0: Coach, I was really impressed, like you said, with Texas Tech, with Chris Beard. They were so strong and so deliberate with the basketball, the way they rip The way they just control the basketball has just play action moves that you see when they catch and they turn in face. That is something so many of these young kids, they're so loose with the ball and it's out away from their body. And I was looking at Chris Beard's team going, hey, he has drilled the heck out of that. Those kids take care of the basketball.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you're exactly right, coach, in that especially the last, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years, maybe even. You have seen basketball kind of uh move in the direction of, of playing east and west with dribble weaves and uh, you know, uh pick and rolls at the top of the key that dictate that people don't really play in straight lines or attack the rim, that it's more kind of a we're gonna we're gonna hold the ball and, and weave and, and move until you just get tired of playing defense, then we'll make our move. And and I think this tournament again showed kind of the way basketball is supposed to be played in that Tech and and Virginia played in straight lines, aggressive attacking movements offensively. Same with their defense. And it wasn't the east-west; it was now back to good old-fashioned north-south basketball work, where you're playing in aggressive direct lines to the basket. And I think both teams knew. And I like this fact too that you know the Warriors have you know kind of changed the the mindset and mentality of basketball, where people think that the Warriors are all about the three-point shot. And I know we'll talk about it when we talk about the NBA, but they're really not. They, they are about aggressive defense and attacking the rim and getting to the rim. And I think people are starting to realize that the three point shot is necessary. You need to have it for balance, but championships are going to be won at the rim and championships are going to be won by keeping people from getting to the rim. And, and that's what tech in Virginia boiled down to who, who was a little bit mentally, physically tougher that could get shots at the rim, or get defensive stops in the, in the paint, and whoever could do that was going to win that game.
0: Coach, I want to pick your brain just a little bit. One of the best games of the tournament was Purdue versus Virginia in that Elite Eight game. We saw Purdue guard Carson Edwards just going crazy. I mean, he's taking heat check kind of threes, and they are going in. He drops 42 points on Virginia. Everything he throws up is going in. It took a while for Tony Bennett to go double Carson Edwards why or why not? Would you have doubled him? Would you have run someone at him? I know late he started to. Do you kind of just let him get good and comfortable and then say late we're going to, you know, give you a different look? Why do you think he waited so long to to show him that different look?
1: You know, I and I've been in that position too when when I was coaching and and you know you're you're coming in and Edwards is an extremely good player, but then all of a sudden he has a, you know, an out of body experience where he's having a career night and you're thinking, "Hey, uh, I've got a defensive stopper." and i i can get this guy stopped by maybe you know denying him the ball or maybe even a, a, a hard foul on him when he's taking a jumper or you know and then if necessary my last you know thing that i might go to is a double team you know but then all of a sudden you as a coach also get kind of caught up in the moment and mesmerized by i can't believe this kid's doing it and sure. how's he doing it instead of you know your mindset being hey i, I better get this thing shut off or we might lose this game you 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 kind of i don't know i don't think chokes the right word but you're thinking you're just like everybody else that's in the in the in the fans or on tv man this is amazing what this kid's doing i know i gotta stop it but i'm not sure how i can stop it by the time you you try and figure some things out he's already got you know 30 points up on you and now you're in for the battle of your life but it was it was an amazing performance and yeah i think Most coaches maybe would have gone to something differently, you know, uh, some kind of junk defense or a double team scheme. But uh, again, sometimes those adjustments mid-game are harder to make than you you really think.
0: Well, yeah, and that was the thing that I thought, because I heard him taking some heat. Why aren't they doubling him? And I'm looking at it going, let's see if Edwards can make those... As we get later, as he gets more tired, and then maybe we throw something at him. But right now, you kind of just have to ride it out and hope for the best. I know they were asking for that double team in the first half. I was going to slow down. Let's kind of see how this all develops. The one thing I've got to ask you about, Virginia versus Auburn, final four game, back and forth, crazy game. Virginia somehow comes out on top. But the end of regulation, Virginia finds Kyle Guy in the corner and the kid closing out on him fouls him on the three-point shot. Let's get your opinion. Was it a foul, first and foremost? Do you make that call at that point of the game?
1: Uh, Yeah, you have to make the call. Uh, It was really uh, a poor decision and poor execution by the kid from Auburn when he closed out. And and really, he did not give the kid guy the chance to, one, get off a clean shot, and two, to land cleanly. And it's just one of those calls as an official you don't want to make. But you have to make that call. So I, yeah, I totally agree. It was the right call. It should have been made. It's unfortunate that, you know, that the kid hadn't been coached or had forgotten what he was had been told or coached that, you know, you you just don't file a jump shooter, even in the framework of, of the game itself, whether it's the first quarter or the last shot of the game, you know, that's something that, and I know you were with me that we always. Every day in practice, do not foul a jump shooter. Do not foul a jump shooter. Do not be out of control on your closeout. Do not give that kid a chance to, to beat you at the free throw line. Make him earn it by being, you know, disciplined in, in your defensive attack. And, and the kid just wasn't disciplined and and it cost him a game. And, and you and I have, have discussed this too. You know, the kid still had to make the free throws and to make three straight free throws under that type of scenario and pressure uh you just got to give credit to virginia and, and guy and uh the the ability for him to step up and make three critical free throws but it was a defensive mistake and i think that's why coach pearl didn't make a big deal about it after the game either he knew and he knew really it was probably on him because he probably hadn't uh you know reinforced or emphasized that type of scenario enough in practice that it cost him and bit him in the butt
0: well and the crazy thing is when you think back to the first round of the tournament Auburn fouled a three point shooter against New Mexico state in their first game. But the kid chokes on the free throws and and misses them. I think he missed two out of three. So you got away with it. Once you would have thought that would have been reinforced. Like you said, coming out of that huddle, Hey, don't run into a shooter. Don't lead with your head and drift into a shooter. Make sure we're not fouling jump shooters. They do it again. And so, yes, it's tough. I didn't feel bad for him. You made a mistake and Virginia made you pay for it. Coach, I watched the championship game and it was kind of a weird situation. We had some friends over. And so I watched most of the game without any sound on. But by watching it without the sound, you know, no emotion, no crowd noise, none of that stuff, I took one thing away watching the Virginia Cavaliers this year. They just don't make as many mistakes as you probably make. They don't beat themselves. And that is such a big part of the battle.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that is their head coaches, coach Bennett. Is very, very good at um, teaching fundamentals, playing a, I wouldn't say if it's a a conservative approach, but it's very disciplined. And it's a type of game where you're really never going to blow anybody out, but you're never going to be out of a game. And then you're hoping that your mental toughness, your system, your approach to practice every day will allow you to win the game, final two, three minutes where. You're just you're a little bit tougher in all phases of of the game that you know you're going to probably end up winning a game, and it's worked for them. Except for the problem we've seen in previous NCAA tournaments, is that it, it also leads to the potential for upsets because now all of a sudden, since you're playing each game so closely, typically if if something doesn't go perfectly right for him, you, might end up getting upset. But it was nice. I you know I, I'm I'm really happy for Coach Bennett. He's just a you know a classy guy that does everything the right way and. He, uh, he obviously recruits those type of players. So a very, uh, very strong system, but not for the weak hearted, you know, not for the feeling of heart because the style is is never going to really allow you to dominate and pull away with victory margins, but uh, you're always going to be in games.
0: Yeah. And that was so much fun to watch to see Tony Bennett get that, especially the comeback that they have losing being the first one to lose to a 16 last year to yeah. come back and to put that together. That took some guts. And when we saw in the first round, when we saw them down by like 14 in their first round game to see them in the second half, come out and say, okay, we're not going to panic. We're not going to freak out. We're not going to all of a sudden start chucking up threes and playing outside of what we do. You could see Tony Bennett's mindset. Hey, we just do what we do. We take care of our business. We don't get rattled. And you saw that every single game for them in the tournament, they don't get rattled. They're just like their coach. Yeah, it's the
1: hardest thing in coaching, as you know, it's uh, getting rid of the demons that haunt, you know, kids' heads, you know, and you, it takes a master psychologist, a, a top level coach to find a way to get that little voice in a person's head that has all this negativity and doubt and worry and fear of failure messages going through your head. And you figure out a way to convince your kids to overcome that little voice in your head that's trying to screw your your game up so yeah you know to me i'm just fascinated to watch someone like a virginia team overcome some really strong demons that you know those kids had to have in their head to go on on a run after getting beat by a 16 seed come back because you know it's going through their head and it's taken every fiber of bennett's ability as a coach to make sure that that demon doesn't come back to stop what they ultimately want to accomplish. So that that's a part of sports. I'm just fascinated by that, that leadership and how you get, uh, you know, 12 to 15 young adult men to get on the same page and don't, uh, you know, mess things up under the, you know, enormous amount of pressure they're playing under.
0: Coach, I kept thinking back to what you said when we had you on for our March Madness preview. And you said the biggest thing I changed was when we went into the playoffs as a younger coach, I would go in with the rah-rah you know, speech and let's get these guys going and get them fired up. And you said, I completely changed that as I got older. I said, no, we just keep what we're doing. We don't have to change anything. We don't have to tweak anything. We just go in and operate the way we operate. And I kept thinking of that when I would watch Virginia because you could see Tony Bennett saying, no, we're not doing that. We're not panicking. I'm not going to go in the locker room and yeah. scream at these guys. That's not how I operate. Yeah. That is not what we do. They stayed true to what they are. And if you know if you're faking that stuff, kids spot that a mile away, anyway.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And it, uh, like I told you in in that uh, previous uh, opportunity talk, it, it really is about how emotional intelligent you are as a coach, and then how you know again you, you can't really teach kids that, but you can emphasize emotional intelligence to your kids, and by emphasizing it and using that every day in practice. And you just lean back on, you know, previous habits. That's kind of how you get through this gauntlet of incredible pressure and variables and things, the uncontrollables that you have no control over. And you just, you know, you just hope that, you know, the daily routine and, and what you've taught and preached and emphasized uh, will get you through. And that's all you can do. And that's why you can't, you can't worry about it. You can't change. You just go out there and simply play utilizing what you've done every day in practice. And then your goal as a coach obviously is to make sure that when you play your opponent, is not let them do what they practice every day, you know? And that's the kind of game that's being played in athletics is my job is to make sure that we are able to execute and perform like we do every day in practice. But my job is also to make sure that whatever the other team has practiced every day, we will not allow them to do that. We're going to take them totally out of their comfort level by not allowing them to do what they do daily. And that's, again, that's why you love sports and that's the game that's being played.
0: Hey, tomorrow on the show, we will be continuing our conversation with Russ McKinstry. I want to talk to him a little bit about that UCLA job and why it took so long to fill it. He's got some interesting thoughts on that. Plus, we will get to the NBA playoffs. Get his thoughts on who he thinks is going to end up in those NBA finals. We still have a lot to get to here on The Dose. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose. For all of you that share the show, thank you so much. For all of you that reach out to us, that text us, that tweet us, that message us, thank you all so much. It is genuinely appreciated. I have to say thank you to JSP. We definitely could not have done 500 shows without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday.